Welcome aboard, Captain. Welcome back to Star Trek Minute, the semi-daily podcast where we analyze, discuss, and probe Star Trek IV The Voyage Home one minute at a time. I'm Chris LaSalle. That would make me David Stoker. Hello, David Stoker. Hello, Chris. It's minute 100. I know. Triple digits. Awesome. Hmm. Uh, minute 100 starts with uh, Spock explaining computers are non-functional mm. and ends a minute later with the bird of prey. Uh, suffering some splashdown damage. Yeah, we got to get him back. Got to get him back? What? Get what back? <laughs> back in time? Yeah. They're back. I think we confirm it. This, this minute confirms that they, we, we know they're back. We know we're back in uh, around the time the probe was around. Right. right. Yes. We established that last minute, and this yep. minute, this minute establishes that they that Spock nailed it, and they get back almost exactly. Uh, yeah, they they're pretty close. Yeah. Maybe a little surprised, early. Surprised they didn't crash into themselves. <laughs> yeah, I think they, they might they... be a little early. Uh, you think so? Well, let's we'll get there. Um, so yeah. Uh, this uh, this all the status report. So you know, Kirk asked for a condition report from Spock. Yep. Um, they're kind of uh, screwed. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, this is a lot yep. of problems. Um, the computers main, are non-functional. Computers are non-functional. The mains are down. Ox power is not responding. Yep. Um, no manual control. Nope. Right. So I mean. And then, and then McCoy just randomly says, my God, Jim, where are we? Right. Well, it's... so Go here's, again, me being who I am and being confused at this moment. <laughs> These are the things we go through one minute at a time. So they, they fly around the sun. You know, they come out of their, 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 their drug trip. Yep. And then, you know, the probe. So they've entered the range of the probe. And I'm jumping the gun a little bit here, but we know that they we, – we have a scene here where they then appear to be on Earth. Yep. Like how – yeah, how did they get to that location? Um, because if they come around the sun and then they hit the – you know, the, the range of the, the – the, you know, the traveler mm – -hmm. Where, how far out does it, is it only surrounding Earth? Is I mean, it, I know Spox is directed at yep. Earth, but yet obviously it's done other damage on its way in. So are those? I'm assuming those ships are still down because we we learn some stuff in the future. And how how would they be able to get through the atmosphere? How how do they get to Earth if they have no computers, no mains, no manual control? I, I it, it to me it just reeks of sloppy writing. It's again that's why they wouldn't let us in the writers room. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, we got to say that Spock not only did he guess, but his guess was so perfect. Yes, that they were able to slingshot around the sun, 
uh, breaking thrusters fired. They came out of warp, and now the yeah. uh, and then they lost all power. So now they are drifting on their own momentum, right? And they yeah. drifted right into Earth's atmosphere. Yes, that's how that's how it happened. So somewhere coming around the side of the sun, they got within the range of the probe. All their power got lost, but their momentum continued. Right. And it was zoop, and then they must have gotten sucked into Earth's gravity and then sucked right into orbit and directly at San Francisco Bay, just outside of Starfleet headquarters. You couldn't right. get more perfect. Absolutely. Like, I don't... He hit it right on the... On the I mean, bravo. Bravo. On the, yeah. on the on the pore of the nose, right? Yeah, that's where he hit it, right? It's, right. Um, uh, and again, I go back to Apollo 13. I talked about that a little bit last minute. And, right, yeah. You know, manual thrusters. And and uh, there's a great scene in there where they're like, well, you know, the, they get this, the scientists back home being interviewed, you know, as they're saying, well, you know, if they don't uh, hit the atmosphere at just the right angle, you know, they'll skip off, they'll do the burn up on and reentry, or they'll skip off, you know, and, you know, just go sailing out into the solar system. And he's like, that means you have to hit a target the size of a piece of paper, you know, right. where the earth is the size of a basketball or something. You know, so <laughs> it was, yeah, no, no, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, uh, and that's what Spock was able to do. <laughs> but I mean, it just, when you when you look at it, you watch the movie. You're like, oh wow, you know, it's as a whole. You you, you know, you're you're experiencing. You suspend your disbelief, and like, they've come out of it. And I'm assuming again, my assumption is is that they've made it to Earth after the slingshot, and then as they're entering the atmosphere, that's when the probes, the traveler's power, takes effect and shuts the computer, you know, the computer down and. The Baines. So they've already, to me, in my mind, the way I watch this scene and the way I've watched the movie is, is that they have made it to Earth. Yep. And now the power goes out. So just as they're kind of like, uh, just as uh, they're entering the atmosphere, entering the atmosphere, that's when they lose power. Right. Okay. That's I mean, pro- again I mean, probably what they intended. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I do like the story of Spock hitting the nail on the head that he. You know, he programmed it perfectly that when they came out, they went right to Earth, right over San Francisco. Yeah. It's, um, uh, yeah, we've, been, we've been saying it all season, and this is really the culmination of it, right? He yes. is the smartest man alive. He's the smartest man alive. No one else could have done this. Nope. All right. So, my God, Jim, you know, where are we? Um, and, uh, you know, Jim's out of control. And blind as a bat. Uh, I'm glad they didn't say, you know, blind as a, you know, Vesuvian nightmare bat. You know, he he didn't, you know, he didn't use a space bat name. He just used a regular bat that we know. <laughs> how do you how do you like his uh, his uh, using use of the line out of control and blind as bat? Blind as a bat. Do you think he puts a little too much into blind as a bat? A little, a little overacting there. A little bit. A little bit. Blind as a bat. A lot of bees you think, in do, there. Do you think he was annoyed with with uh, um with Nimoy at that? And he's uh, scene twenty seven, take fifty five. He's like, oh my god, we're out of control. Blind as a bat. Like, <laughs> stop making me say it. I'm done. 
just want my lunch. <laughs> he's hangry at this point, as you're saying. Yeah, he's yeah. angry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I yeah I do, and I I don't know. I get back to it's. You know, I'm sure we could talk. We could talk forever about you know Kirk's reactions right. to different things. You know, this is, and I think we did a little bit this season of you know comparing you know Khan, you know showing up in the Reliant and punching holes right. all over the ship, and you know all his reactions there, you know as compared to this. You know, yep. granted yep. it's not the Enterprise; he's flying just some junky Klingon ship that he probably doesn't care about at all. Right. Um, uh, so he's probably more concerned about his crew uh, and the whales now. Right now he's now he's got humanity in the you know, in the back of the ship, um, or, you know, humanity saviors in the back of the ship. I right. don't know. Yeah. Blind as bat. Yes. He's, uh, he's hamming it up. Hamming it up. <clears throat> so from there, um, we rewind back to minute 30. Yes. Uh, Star Trek four, uh, Cartwright, uh, you know, once again, yells, get him back, get him back. And the windows shatter in Starfleet yes. Command. Right. Which, to me, I think I answered, I think I asked the question either this minute or last minute, is like, they're actually, they're back a little early. Right. Right, because I think the uh, car right yelling, get them back, was after Kirk had said, you know, we're going to attempt time travel. Right. And and then, uh, and then they did all their preparations, and then they actually did it, and they went. Uh, right. So to me, the... This, the the other bird of prey is probably still out there right now right the, right at this moment right at this moment the bird of prey is still yes i'm i'm looking back at minute 30 and so what happens is is he says he says get him back the the glass explodes the guys go down on the ground and then they're all watching the you know the the wind coming in mm-hmm. so you can think of two things here you can think hey they are seeing like this is the moment just before the bird of prey comes back because they do switch to Sarek who then is he's looking and he's sort of you know he's rubbing his hands and then they cut to the bird of prey before they have gone around the sun okay yep so they clearly are back early so they could have passed themselves on the way to uh, Earth. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen that. That would have been a nice touch too, right? If they you know, showed the, you know, breaking thrusters fire, and then in the background yes. you're seeing the other bird of prey heading the opposite direction, getting ready to leave. Yes, uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, that's interesting. I'm glad you you actually went back there for me a little bit, um, because after Cartwright get him back, get him back, and the window collapses, the next thing we see yes. is Sarek pointing he at says, something and say look look so what was he doing in minute 30 was he just kind he of... was just he was just it's it, he wasn't saying look but he was just sort of standing there he was standing and i yeah and i think it was like this is you just sort of see everyone sort of looking out the window and then this is the moment when they see the bird of prey and they say you know look there it is you know and uh, cartwright says uh he says they're heading for the bridge yeah. heading for the bridge um <laughs> much better uh, and then this is uh, again we we we've already established no computers no no mains no auxiliary power there's no manual control so basically there's nothing yeah I mean there's nothing yeah they're like a rock falling out of the sky yes so basically they're coming in and somehow it looks like they're coming straight towards us and somehow 
they're able to pull up and divert <laughs> under the bridge. And then Kirk says, ground cushion, keep the nose up if you can. Well, if I was Sulu, I'd turn around and kick him in the head and say, I just told you <laughs> I don't have any controls, man. I got nothing. I got nothing. I got nothing. Uh, yeah, I agree. So, um, do they... Uh, I'm trying to think of other time travel movies, but... Um, if we looked at if we look at the if we look at the movie now from Cartwright's perspective, yeah, you know, Cartwright um, is you know everything's falling down around him. They've lost power. Um, Kirk just sent this scrambled message. I think he said they were going to do time travel, right? And then they lose him, and he's like, "Get him back! Get him back!" The windows shatter, yes. and then all of a sudden, bird of they, prey comes crashing down into the bay. Yes. Like, what? Wouldn't you think their mind would you know like? pop a little bit like what is happening right now well uh, from from their standpoint they i guess i could see it being like there they are oh no they've crashed they didn't make it oh like right. they didn't this is them like not making it again that would be an awesome thing to to kind of you know uh, play through here right you know it's like you know you know, damn it! You know they didn't. They didn't make it. You know, they were going to time travel. And they should. They could have played that up a little bit. Give me like an extra fifteen seconds on screen of car right. Like, oh no! You know that was our. They were our final hope. Yeah, uh, that would have been. That would have been a great cut. Like if they said they're heading. You know they're heading for the bridge. Like oh no, it didn't work. Or yeah, like oh my. Oh my god. Like yeah. what are we going to do now? Or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like they don't know what has happened. They and we still got a few minutes, right, between between now and when right. uh, things uh, you know, we learn the results of uh, right, you know, them being back. Uh, yeah, these all these little you know. Uh, for those who are writing time travel movies, please you know consider these things. You know, yes, these little <laughs> moments. Could you please? Right. Uh, yeah. So the the. Uh, Headed for the bridge, the bird of prey comes flying in. Um, we see the Golden Gate Bridge, and kind of nice touch with this huge crack of lightning and thunder. Uh, and then, da da, there's the bird of prey. Yes, um, comes. comes swooping in, and then, yeah. like you said, then pulling up. Looks like it's pulling up. Uh, you know, it could have. They could have had to just fly straight into the camera, right? But it actually kind of arcs away. What's I mean? Yeah, so it's totally, totally comes straight in. It looks like it's going to crash straight into the water, but somehow it pulls up. Yeah. Now uh, we were talking a little bit about this offline, um, about the making of the scene. Yeah. Uh, that I guess originally ILM wanted to, they wanted to use actual footage of the Golden Gate Bridge in a storm, like filmed it during a really bad storm. Right. And then insert, you know insert into that the bird of prey you know coming in and swooping under uh but but they couldn't do that so they had to build a model of the golden gate bridge they put it in a tank like you know did all their fog machines and wind machines and rain machines to get to get it to look like we're seeing right but then a couple of things i read was that they actually swung the bird of prey in on wires and to, you know uh, under the bridge, I'm like, no, they didn't. <laughs> That's not what we're seeing here, right? This is this is a composite of. Two oh yeah, shots. it totally is. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I think if we saw, 
and I think maybe what I, what they were actually talking about is this is the moment when the ship hits the water, right? Um, yeah, which that looks like, you know, a model on water. A model that's been yes, yes, yeah. agreed. Um, because you know if they'd done that, if they had, I don't know how they would have done it. If they would have swung the bird of prey in on, on wires. It would have looked exactly like if I had put my, you know, toy bird of prey on some fishing line in my bedroom and just, you know, swung it. It yeah. just wouldn't it look wouldn't look real at all. Um, so you gotta be careful the the sources you read. They're can be very misleading. But what do you think of this shot? Do you do you do you uh are you a fan of, uh... of the bird of the bird of prey coming in? Yeah. So I'm a fan of the idea of the shot. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but I'm a fan of what they tried to achieve. I don't think they achieved it very well. Okay. Like I, it obviously looks superimposed on the on the Golden Gate on the Golden Gate Bridge. I wonder again. I think we've talked about it before about special effects then versus special effects now. I think with today's technology, I think this this shot could be stellar. Oh yeah, they with, would be. Yeah, the camera would be behind the bird of prey. We all would right. have gone under the bridge at the same time. You know. Yeah. It would have been amazing. So I think that's probably a little bit of I've got a little bit of that judgment in my head too. Like oh right, yeah, I guess pretty good. It's all right. Um, and I I really don't remember what I thought about it seeing in the theater. You know, it was like oh that's amazing. Um, I mean it's pretty dramatic. I mean the you know the yeah the, for a moment there the almost the entire screen is taken up with the you know the underbelly. Yeah. Uh, it's it, yeah. I like the idea of the shot. I think the execution is a little bit lacking, but it, still, it, I'm very excited for this whole thing. You know, they're coming in, they're crashing. Like, yeah, it's all very exciting. Yeah. Um, and I think in both, I was thinking about this too. The there's a couple. I think there's at least two movie posters, like official movie posters. Right. And I think both of them include the bird of prey either looks like it's going to crash into the golden gate bridge or it's flying over the golden gate bridge. Right. Yeah. Uh, so this is supposed to be, you know, pretty iconic moment in the whole film. Yes. Yeah. Right. And now we're bagging on it. Like it's, you know, garbage. It's garbage. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> I hate, I hate <laughs> saying that it's like the execution, but that's my like watching it a minute at a time. Like that's what you see. You see the execution is not quite, they've done better shots of, of composites and stuff like that. And I feel like this one is a little lacking. Um, but again, I like the composition of the shot. I like the idea, the feeling that it makes me feel during this point in the movie. I'm very excited. My, you know, it's come on, let's do it. Let's finish this mission. I like the, um, I mean, once it, once it hits the water, mm. um, there's all sorts of, you know, the, all sorts of, uh, bad things happening on the bridge, like starting to fall apart and water spraying right. out of hoses and sparks yeah. are flying. And, and I will say that Kirk, man, he is cool as a cucumber. I mean, oh, he's, yeah. he's sitting in his chair and, you know, I have driven with my teenage son who does not yet have his license. And <laughs> I uh, am more tense in the passenger seat with him driving, you know, than Kirk is sitting here, you know, his ship is crashing and they're blind as bad. They have no idea when they're about to hit the water. Or right. They're yeah. hit the ground. They don't, they have no idea. Um, and he's just, you know, he's, he's kind of holding on tight, but you know, I'd have like my feet up on the Sulu and Chekhov's chair, like bracing myself for impact. Um, and he's just kind of casually just watching it all. 
I do like this version of the scene where they're, you know, it's like a side view. So you're looking at, you see Chekhov and Sulu and Kirk, and it pulls back just ever, ever so slightly, but it's such a great, and we're not seeing it like straight on like we normally would. Mm. Yeah, it's a good like, point. Which I think they, again, I think they, they've done a good job. And then, yeah, they've hit the water, and then you have the breaking of the, you know, the seals and some of these things on the valves and stuff like that. And, um, yeah, it, it, this, now we're now we're super excited because they've made it, you know, they've crashed, and, you know, the ship is now coming. It's it's like the end of the Blues Brothers. I don't know if you've, <laughs> when, they, when they finally get to Chicago, they get to the state assessor's office, they get out of the car, and the car just, like, poof, falls apart. <laughs> I mean, that's like, they, they've. They've they've beaten the crap out of this thing, you know. They they've taken it from the Klingons. They took it to Vulcan. They went around the, you know, they were going back. They went around the sun, back in time, changed the lithium, you know, structure, come back in time, and now they're crashing. And you know, this thing is like ready to, uh, you know, to fall fall to pieces. Yeah. Well, now that you you know, now that you say all that, <clears throat> I wonder what ends up happening to the bird of prey. Um, you know, does it get do 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 they do they end up, you know, salvaging it and putting it in a museum like this was the, you know, the ship that carried the whales that saved the world. You know, hmm. like, you know what I mean. They, they well, must. doesn't doesn't Kirk say something to that effect at the beginning when they're still on Vulcan? Like, you know, they're talking about the, you know, the cloaking device. Like, you know, it's got a cloaking device on this. You know, they they're gonna. I, I'm assuming that they're gonna take it and analyze, like oh. the, the the structure of you know the technology. I see. Yep, maybe they do that. Sure. This That's is my, what I think. Okay, yeah. Um, and then they put it in the museum. Sure. Okay. Uh, yeah, I like all the close-up shots of the uh, of all the panels and stuff as they're you know, sparking and leaking and whatever. Yep. Some, get some Klingon in there, some cool displays and stuff we haven't seen yet. Um, so yeah, I agree. They, uh, they I'm glad they didn't. I'm glad they didn't kind of repeat themselves with all of kind of the, the destruction that happened on the way in when they went back in time. Right. You know, yeah. There's all sorts of damage going on um, to Uhura's panels and all that stuff. So now we get to see different stuff. Um, uh, so it had a uh, a decent budget. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's really it. We end on a. We end up on, on a note of just dis- destruction all around, and it looks yep. like the ship is, is touching down. Yep. With the nose up, we might add. Right. They've made it, but we don't know what's what's going to happen. Right. Um, well, on that note, shall we wrap it up? Yes. Let's do it. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, it's uh, well then, let's shift gears. It's Patreon Friday. Um. So Fridays of the day, we uh, go out and thank all of our patrons. Um, mm. uh, if you uh, if you'd like to, more information on on our uh, uh, Patreon account that we set up this season, you can head out to StarTrekMinute.com and click the Become a Patron link uh, to get all the details. Um, and uh, with the different membership levels that we offer, um, we give all back all sorts of thank yous and swag and gifts and treats and whatnot. Uh, and one of them is that we thank everybody. Uh, all our patrons on the air on our Friday episode. So yep. uh, here we go. And uh, I'm going to go in reverse alphabetical order. 
because um, <laughs> there's only so many different ways you can mix this stuff up. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're going to start out thanking uh, 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 Vibrant Visionaries and Heidi Bennett. Yes, thank you. Uh, thank you to Timmy Bricks. Timmy Bricks, our Lego friend. Yes, sir. Uh, thanks to the Carlisles. Hey, the Carlisle. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you to Sagacious Crumb. Yes, Sagacious Crumb. Crossing universes there. Um, yeah, a little bit. Uh, thank you to Con Noonian Shane. I think you just like doing that. I do. Again, I I, I still need to practice it offline and get it closer to a Shatnerism, but uh, you need to you need to go outside and you just need to shout it out, Shane. Just let it go. Yeah, like belt it right. There's you really yeah. can't. I mean, I'm worried about breaking my microphone here and stuff, and you know, waking up the household. Uh, so yeah, I can't really, I can't give it my all. So sorry, Shane. Um, uh, next up, thanks to Kevin. Hey, Kevin. Thanks to our friends over at Giraffe Bear and all their fine wool felted products. Yes, excellent, excellent stuff. Agreed. Yes. Uh, didn't you get a neat one for your birthday or something recently? I got it for Christmas. My daughter, behind my back, <laughs> um, secretly contacted Giraffe Bear and got me the. Um, like the logo, the Star Trek logo, yeah, like the, like the icon. Like she did, uh, uh, you know. She Candace does such a fa- fabulous job. I mean, I already have one of her, one of her masterpieces, you know, of my cat, and then my daughter does this form. I mean, it's just she does fantastic work. Let's just say that she's I amazing. Completely agree. We should post that up on the uh, Patreon page. That would be uh, yes for people to see. Yeah, because it's pretty cool. Yes. Um, all right, moving on. Uh, thanks to uh, uh, Dave. <laughs> Uh, I think that might have been formerly Dave in Solidarity. Solidarity. Oh, is it just Dave? It's just Dave now. Oh. Was it Spooky Dave last time? It was Spooky Dave, yeah. yeah. Oh. Um. Come, back, <laughs> come back, cool name Dave. Like, <laughs> I totally want his name to be better. All right. Um, please and thank you. Uh, thanks to uh, Conrad. Hey, Conrad. And uh, thanks to Captain America. Steve Rogers. Yeah. And uh, a couple more. Thanks to Andrew. Thanks, and, Andrew. Uh, and last but not least, uh, thanks to uh, this is probably the person who changes their name most frequently. Yes. Uh, but it's a hashtag brother from another mother. And that's a, uh, his icon is now Cybok. <laughs> <laughs> so someone's excited for a Star Trek V. Fantastic. Yeah. So thank you, one and all, to our yes. patrons. We are honored and humbled. Um, uh, uh, all of your donations help uh, keep the lights on here at Star Trek Minute. Um, uh, podcasting is not a free thing, um, although it sometimes seems like it. Uh, but uh, so yeah. thank you. It's much appreciated. Um, again, if you're, you're interested, uh, head over to StarTrekMinute.com and click Become a Patron and uh, uh, sign up. Why don't you? Uh, anyway, so that's it. Let's head out for the weekend, Dave. Yes, and, let's uh, do it. Yeah, we'll be back uh, back again next week and uh, talking about, uh, we'll be in the 100s, so we'll be talking about Minute 101 of Voyage Home here at the yes. Star Trek Minute. Bye now. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>